The Boating Life Podcast with Savvy Navi, making marine navigation at sea easy. Welcome on board our floating recording studio with me, Kerry Herford-Jones, for another Savvy Navi podcast. The series that's designed to help you overcome some of the barriers to boating and how you could overcome them. Among our many guests during this series, we'll be talking to a marina operator, one of the team at Sunsail, together with a sailing school and a specialist marine insurance broker, to name but a few. In a moment, we'll catch up with Adam, Lauren and of course their Jack Russell, Freddie, to find out how their sail around the UK is going, along with answering some of your questions. We'll also have the opportunity to talk to Paul Capradol, the CEO and founder of Sensor Marine, the makers of a product called Smartboat One. First though, it's time to get on board the good ship Phoenix. For this special podcast, we've got a, a dozen or so questions. Let's see how many we can get through in 10-15 uh, minutes. So you're obviously connecting with people, guys. Uh, that must make you feel good, oh, doesn't it? Yeah, that is so nice because this was a new thing for us and to inspire other people to even think about doing something the same is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it feels really lovely. Well, well done. And just remind us, Lauren, if people want to follow you on Instagram, Facebook, uh, you actually have got your own social channel. Yes, yeah, so we've been sort of capturing all of our journey. We've been doing lots of video stories and reels and photos and things on Instagram. So it's Lauren underscore the sailor's path on Instagram. Simple as. And you can follow us there. Simple as. Great. Okay, well, let's Easy. crack on with the first question. Are you ready? I think yeah, so. Yeah, let's go for it, yeah. <laughs> Do we okay. win a prize? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get to come back and talk to us again another week. <laughs> well, Freddie has generated his own fan club. Is the only way I can describe it. So uh, here, here we go. Freddie, what's his favourite food and uh, how much does he eat? So we have a company called Tails who we get like a month subscription from but we actually got six months before we left so he has all his portions measured out it's about a handful and a half maybe we do it very roughly yeah of dried biscuits of dried biscuits morning and night and then a few treats in between as and when but yeah he doesn't eat too much and it doesn't cost us very much money at all really keeping him on a dried food is definitely good for us for storage mm. uh, and being able to stock up on six months has has meant we haven't had to go looking for food in shops and no. trying to find shops and things. So. But also, he's only a very small dog. He's seven kilograms, so he doesn't take much food, really. No. It'd be different if you had a bigger dog. <laughs> a great day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you, I can imagine now your boat, Phoenix, actually setting a little lower in the water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> With a couple of tonnes of dog food. <laughs> but he does, his favourite flavour, the food that he does have is fish, and he just loves fish. The smells or the taste, anything fishy, he's there. Bless he's him. a fish dog. Really good question, I thought this one was, were you concerned that if and when you got a dog, that he actually might not like the aquatic life? Yeah, we were, to be honest. Dogs can get seasick as well. And if he was really anxious and shaking the whole time, and you can tell by looking at a dog, yeah. its demeanour. So it was a bit of a consideration that we thought, but... We got Freddie as a puppy, and as we've said before, we've lived on board anyway, so he doesn't know any different, and I think that that's definitely helped, because he's just, he's just he's developed with here. it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's quite happy here. He's made his own life from it, and the, uh, the opportunity is he gets to swim a lot, walk a lot, and eat fishy food. Yes. 
Yes, you'll often find him patrolling the decks as well. So yeah. he's always doing a little... Keeping an eye on people. Yeah, and... a little lap of the deck and woofing at the appropriate times. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for Carol yes. for that question. That was a really good one. Thank you for that. So another one here from, from Alice. How do you exercise him when it's a force eight and you are on a swinging mooring? Well, yeah, that is very difficult. We haven't experienced those exact conditions yet, but I imagine we'd still have to go out on the tender and take him really yeah if it's if it's really well, bad and, and obviously it would be a bit a bit dangerous to to do that yeah. then uh it's just gonna have to be playing with him on board one of the games we like to play with him is hide and seek so we'd hide treats around the place or we hide his toys around the place and we uh, do a lot of mental <laughs> mental training for yeah. him cause that seems to stimulate him he really <laughs> likes that and it gets him really tired yeah so sorry, we're, we're quite lucky that he, he likes that. <laughs> I just got visited you. Are you hiding? <laughs> the dog counting to ten to come and find you on Phoenix. If we we'll put the... him like in the bedroom, we'll say stay, and we can come out and come to the bee bath, and he'll stay exactly there until we say right, come, and then he'll come and find the treat. He's perfect. But those sort of things really tire him out. Yeah, and it's also good for you as well because if he's looking for the the treat. It normally actually gives you about five minutes <laughs> yeah. to carry on uh, doing what you were doing. So it works both ways, actually. Definitely. Oh, guys, that is absolutely brilliant. Uh, you've made my day on that one, I tell you. Oh. <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Thank you, Alice, for that one. This one's from Bryony. She says, how do you deal with damp doggy smells on board a boat? Luckily, I don't think Freddie really suffers much from it. But if he does get wet and dirty outside, we always hose him down, maybe using the pontoon taps. And we'll often give him a shower. So he, we always, I mean, he has a wash at least twice a week because he's always muddy and dirty and <laughs> doggy-ish. But yeah, he's quite happy in the shower. He doesn't mind it at all. And then we dry him off with a towel and uh, no issues, really. No, I think, again, where he's a small dog, that probably helps quite a lot. And in the summer months or warmer months, we're uh, probably sat out in the cockpit enclosure anyway. Yeah. So he, he probably naturally dries off. And we strip his fur quite regularly, at least once a week. And um, we've got this special tool that we use to strip his hair um, so he doesn't have excess hair on board, which maybe helps with the smell, I don't know. Mm. I just do it so it's not molting everywhere. Yeah, and that, that, funny enough, that was the second question about how you deal with the hairs, but that is buy a short-haired <laughs> dog in the first place. Well, he does still, unfortunately, molt, but we have a mini hoover that we plug in, which we just we can only use it when we're on shore power, but it's brilliant. You hoover the dog? Oh, the hair. Well, who... <laughs> I could, it would be quicker to hoover the dog. Yeah. <laughs> so we just hoover the boat regularly, but yeah, you just have to. If you're going to have a dog, you're going to have hair everywhere, so you just have to deal with it. It's just a, it's just a fact of life, isn't it? Well, listen, yeah, got, it's worth we've got, it. We've got another page of Freddie questions. I think we'll leave a few of those behind for another day. So this one is from Paul Marcus, and he wanted to know, which I kind of covered in a, a recent podcast with you about dealing with stress on board, but how do you cope when you have a bit of a falling out? Because it's bound to happen, he says. I think just having good communication, really, and spotting it early. So the other day, because we'd been in places that, we weren't able to get out and explore. There wasn't much around the marina and I could feel that things might be... The tension building. Tension was building just a tiny bit. I think it's important to just recognise it early. And then we just spoke about it and talked about how we felt and that felt so much better, didn't mm. that? Yeah, and we've actually decided that we are actually going to try and make time to have our own time. 
if that makes any sense. Yeah. So yeah. we've we have literally been we've been gone now for about sixty five days, and we've been every minute, every hour together. Mm. And we were thinking, oh, hang on, before we, we'd be eight hours at work five days a week. So And I used to do shifts, so I'd be at work only three days a week and often have time at home on my own. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very different for me now to not have time on the boat yeah. on my own. But yeah, just communicate and speak to each other about it. And I think... Try and be patient with each other, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we're lucky that we both understand each other so well, really. And that, and that comes across in spades, absolute spades, guys. And, and listen, sailing in and in close proximity with your fellow man or woman isn't for everybody. I think it takes a particular type of person to do what we do. Mm, definitely, yeah. We've heard several raised voices in marinas on our travels between couples, I think. So <laughs> I don't think it's uh, that uncommon. Well, I think the more we actually divvy up the tasks in a nice, even way, like you guys were talking about recently, I think that's the important thing as well. So communication is the answer to the question. So thank you to to Paul on that one. And this one is from George, and he says, You've mentioned seasickness. I struggle with it often, he says, and I've tried all sorts of different things to cope with it. How do you cope, Lauren? What's been your best coping mechanism for seasickness? So I hate to say it, but I haven't yet found the complete answer. Although I do think I'm starting to turn a corner in the fact that I'm recognising that it's not my body that feels seasick, it's it's almost psychological and I don't want to feel this way. So I'm kind of separating myself from the seasickness to be able to tackle it. But I think staying calm, doing some meditation can help. I always take, at the moment, an anti-sickness tablet. I do want to try and stop taking them eventually, but for the moment I need to. Uh, a patch behind the ear I've tried, which has been kind of helpful acupuncture bands i think we've got lots of ginger biscuits and pickled ginger which we is actually intended for sushi use i think you can get it in like asian supermarkets but we have a little tub of that up at the um cockpit so that we can just have a nibble if we feel like we can't manage anything and one of the main things is to make sure that you eat regularly and and i am honestly the worst at this because Mm. when you feel seasick it's the last thing you want but it will make you feel better and try and eat before you get to that point just keep stacking regularly but yeah unfortunately i haven't found the complete cure cure, although i am searching hydration as well we've got two one and a half liter bottles that we fill up and we make sure that they're out there in the cockpit and I think it's good to just keep sipping on water because see if seasickness gets mm. hold of you, it gets hold of me sometimes. I luckily haven't had it too bad on this trip yet. But if, if you're doing what you can to eliminate other things as well, then it, it will help you out when it does finally get hold of you. I know people find taking the helm helps as well. But sometimes I just can't, I just feel like I just can't manage that. So if you can't do that, that's fine. Just do what you need to do. Sometimes for me, it's laying with a hat pulled over over my eyes to just rebalance I feel like it rebalances myself I think like the science behind seasickness is to do with the imbalance in your inner ear so some people do say putting an earplug in one ear although I haven't tried that but it might be worth trying I think there's all sorts of ideas out there there's these watches you can wear there's the, the C bands mm. as they call them in there that you can wear on your pressure mm. points on your wrists it's probably a question of trying and finding something that may or may not work for you but trying things out sometimes yeah I think just give them all a go and you'll eventually find something or you'll be able to cope and you'll get through it Mm. yeah and maybe if you can do shorter hops at the beginning as well if possible as i know it's not always possible but Mm. if you can maybe that that would help 
don't go out there and go, right, this is it, we're off now. <laughs> and you noticed the other day we were coming out of uh, Scarborough, I think, no, Sunderland. Yeah. And it was very foggy and a big sort of swell came over and instantly you could tell something in me switched, didn't it? I yep. instantly was like, right, I feel really anxious now. And then I felt really seasick. Yeah. So it was definitely triggered by a bit of anxiety there. Definitely. So I, I think, think, yeah, if you can try and stay calm, do. Not always easy. Not always easy to do, <laughs> I know that. But I think it is driven by some level of anxiety sometimes. Yeah. A final question today. This was from an anonymous. <laughs> didn't have a name with this one. And it isn't the tax man. How do you fund your lifestyle, guys? If you don't mind telling us a little bit about that. So basically, we just saved up for a few quite a few years while living aboard and upgrading the boat we sacrificed certain things not going on big holidays um not doing expensive meals out and things like that we just put in the hard work really and that's there's no no secret source to it really that's what you've got to do and we've got a certain amount of money that we're hoping that's going to last us this, Although it, this ra- year rapidly decreasing but also it's important to say here that we we didn't buy a brand new boat we bought a second hand one we had a loan for three years for the boat and we paid that off before we left and then we had several years before we left of just saving all the money that we earned we both worked full-time adam was a mechanic and i was a, a nurse and we just put everything we had into our money pot. We did it slightly differently in the fact that the money that I saved went into a savings pot, which wasn't touched, which we're now using to fund this sort of travel. But the money that you saved actually went to buying all of the equipment. Yeah. So we kind of separated it down the middle. Adam bought everything and now I've saved everything and now everything comes out of my account. But that's that just worked for us, didn't it, at the time? Yeah, it did. And doing the work on the boat yourself as well, obviously, if you feel comfortable to do that. That definitely helps a lot of money. And if you do get someone to do work with you, have, make sure you do it with them and learn from them. Yeah. Get more yeah. out of that experience. Yeah. You can definitely, you've learned a lot from doing that, I think. Yeah, I have. But yeah, it's just hard work, a yeah. bit of overtime and there's not going no, on nice holidays. <laughs> there's no secret to it really, is there? We weren't given a big pot of gold coins or no. anything. We've had to work really hard. And we're actually thinking that we're going to probably stop for four or five months over the winter and try and find work somewhere else which would be an exciting adventure in itself and then yeah who knows really yeah. but yeah that's how we've funded it so far and also i remember feeling before we left oh my gosh is this going to be enough money and you talk to lots of people about how much money they have and everyone has difference some people mm. have less some people have more but at the end of the day just save as much as you can and then just leave and just go and you'll work it out along the way if you have to stop you have to stop but at least you've left and yeah I don't know, because you could stay in the marina forever thinking, oh, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. Mm. But you just have to go. Yeah. If you don't make a start and you don't make a commitment to, to yourself and to, to go out there yeah. and do it, you could be talking about it for another four, five, ten, fifteen, twenty years and still not exactly. go and do it, couldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that, that does happen to some people, mm. yeah. There are many, many dreams on many boats that unfortunately didn't come together for one reason or another. So listen, guys, fantastic that you're actually living the dream. I think we can still call it a dream, can't we? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's worth it. It's, it's definitely definitely, worth it. definitely challenging, but it is still a dream, yeah. Uh, fantastic, guys. There will be, I'm sure, uh, another special podcast of questions because they just keep rolling in. People are obviously really interested in you both and of course interested in freddie as well so uh, take that as a huge compliment guys that people really want to know more about you oh really it's really nice to have questions actually yeah if people want to send some more and be happy to answer yeah, some it was, more it was good fun yeah. answering the questions getting stressed out planning your next sailing trip 
Navi Navi acts like your silent first mate, cross-checking your calculations and providing all the information you need to get out on the water safely. Get integrated charts, weather forecasts, tidal heights, tidal streams, distance calculations and more in one place. Whether you're looking to plan an entire trip or just want to check the charts, tide and weather, it's as easy as one, two, three. Sail safe, sail easy. Sail with Savvy Navi. Download the app now on the Apple app and Google Play stores to start your free trial. Now it's time to meet Paul Capital, the CEO and founder of Sensor Marine, the makers of a product called Smart Boat One, a sensor system that he told me is very simple to install on any boat. My first question then had to be, what does it monitor and how? It will monitor the most important aspect of your boat in terms of your battery, your water, your bilge pump, the movement, the GPS. We monitor the water level and we send you alerts and notify you if there is a problem. In addition to that, we collect all of this information, store it in the cloud and make it available in a very easy to use app. What made you come to the conclusion that there actually was a gap in the market with such a project? Well, I've been a boat owner since I was eight years old. My whole life has been on boat. Not enough time, but because I have, I've had a day job and, and been on land doing, doing my day job, but I always had a boat somewhere. And for many years, I was sometimes two hours, three hours, a plane ride away from the boat. And I do like to, when I am on a boat, I, I like to take care of it, make sure it's ready to be used whenever I get there. What actually happened was several times is when I was coming to my boat, ready to use it, I've been working a week and was about to enjoy this time on the water, the boat didn't work. Everybody got the feeling, the battery, it just didn't start. And one of the worst experiences was we invited some friends with us, family, small kids. This was the first time they were going to come out in a boat together with us. And we were going to be spending a week in here. The weather was perfect. It was sunny weather. There was no clouds, no rain. It was just going to be perfect. So here we come, all of us, ready to get started for a beautiful weekend. Click, 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 click. Boat didn't start. Bad battery. What do you do here with these small kids? It didn't make sense for us to just sit down in a boat and, 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 and not go anywhere. So I had that experience. And most boat owners have had some of these experiences. And if you haven't had them yourself, somebody else has had them. The, the other thing was I, I was having my, my boat on shore in the winter. This was on the east coast of the United States. And I had protected it, but I had somebody who was doing some work on it. And when they, when they finished the work, they didn't put the, the canvas on correctly. So what happened? Water comes into the boat, leaves comes into the boat. I had done everything right, but because of the leaves, the engine room filled up with water. And this was, a, a, this was an engine, I had just overhauled it. I mean, I spent a lot of money. It was like in condition, ready for the next season. And here it's filled up with water. And I had done everything right. As a result of that, I lost the whole season. What boat is it, Paul? This one was a 22-foot Sea Ray. We had an inboard engine. It was just a pleasure boat, runabout. We had a cottage uh, nearby, so I was using it in a cottage, but we were spending a lot of time on the, on the water and having friends there and just enjoying. It was made for enjoying the weekend and the day on the water. You've had a few of those experiences and you say, all right, I, I'm a boater by heart. I can handle a few of these challenges and I'm going to fix it. But then I'm thinking, all right, there has to be a better way. 
boating has to be easier than this. So that was the foundation, really. There has to be a better way. And then I started looking and having another job and a career, I, I worked within digital businesses and finance. And so I was well versed with, with kind of technology in general, but I couldn't find technology that, that would help me, my boating life, to make my life easier. One of the surprising things uh, was that I, I really couldn't find something that would make my boating life easier in the way that I thought it needed to be done yeah it's a classic case if you can't find the solution you go about inventing and developing a solution yeah so so i am a i am an entrepreneur and an inventor by heart i've always been there all the way to going back in time and that's what i've been working on in my previous professional life now this is my new professional life but then i came up with some criteria so, okay if you're going to do something I found some things, and some people call it China products or, or Alibaba type of products. Some use that as a, as a reference. But, you know, you see that the, the quality is not waterproof. The cables are completely wrong. They, they're not tinned cable. They're not meeting U.S. Coast Guard requirements. It can't handle the water humidity. For me, I set some minimum standards as to what should be the quality be of this and what should be the function. And when I then had that as a criteria and I started looking and say, I couldn't find anything, so I started building it. And how much research and development has gone into this product now, Paul? There are several million dollars, US dollars, into research and developing on this. I didn't know that in the very beginning how much it was, but I, I, I don't want to compromise on quality because this is to be used in boats in all environments. We're in the west coast of Norway. Products should be able to sit on a fishing boat, if we wanted to, in the North Sea, in the middle of the winter, and do its job and not fail. And that means that all electronics had to be done correctly. All of the hardware, waterproofing, everything, it had to meet the highest standards. So obviously it costs money to do it. But we've been able to make that investment and, and are very, very pleased with what we've been able to do because it is a robust product. And we, in fact, have it sitting on the outside of fishing boats in the North Sea, running in the middle of the winter, and it works as it's supposed to be. One of the key decisions all new boat owners need to make is how much tech do you have on board? Come on, let's face it, we all like a bit of tech. Is there a danger of too much, Paul? There probably is. You shouldn't put in more than what you're able to able to uh, to kind of handle. But we thought a lot about exactly that. And for me, it was you. Know, so if you look at a product, we don't want you to have to interact with a hardware product. We want you to install it in a boat, connect it to your batteries, and and connect it to your bilge pump. And after that, you don't need to do much more with a product. But like one of our one of our partners said, it's a most beautiful tech product I actually have in my boat. So I like to. See see more of it but for us it is really the app that is the then the experience and that you get to experience the rest of the experience we deliver through your through your app but one thing about the technology you have in a boat and that's quite interesting and is we've just had a beautiful summer uh, and for us the summer is coming to an end unfortunately we live pretty far north i've been enjoying my time on the water but now the last two weeks i haven't seen a boat and this is common for, for many others. And what is the last thing you do when you leave the boat? You turn off the main switch. So all the technology that you now have in your boat is off. It does nothing to help you. And unfortunately for many of us, that is the state of your boat for 90 plus percent of the time. So you're at work. The boat is a memory from last weekend or last week. 
it's sitting there it could be sunny it could be rainy it could be windy the boat is still sitting there while you are inside in the comfort of your home all the tech that you have invested in a boat is now turned off so you can invest as much as you want to but it won't help you so that is what we have designed our product for and that is it will never turn off you turn off the main switch that's fine but our system has a huge battery it will charge when your boat is being used and it will sit there and every second it will monitor your boat it will monitor your batteries it will monitor your water level the bilge pump all of that is being monitored and we are sending that data up into the cloud so you can check on it anytime you want to say what's the status of a boat right now you can be in the office you can be in a different country you can be on the other side of the world you can check this is the status of a boat right now and let's face it when you're investing the sort of money that a boat owner invests in their boat it is about protecting your investment so this is if you like an insurance policy to protect your investment isn't it it is about protecting your investment and so you have made this huge investment and it's so easy for us to kind of forget about the boat when you're not there but it's sitting there it's sitting in water and and a boat is in a much more riskier environment than a car or or a house so we invest in some of this technology in the house with our problem but a boat is the one that actually needs it let's look at uh, a bit more detail about the actual product in terms of its uh, in- installation this is a 60 million dollar question and you're going to say to me how long is a piece of string carry but what's the average cost likely to be for a boat owner to install a, a level of kit from you that will do the job that we have been talking about here today? We have actually designed this product so that every boat owner can actually install it themselves. So the cost then is the cost of the product, purchase of the product, which we have made very flexible in terms of how you buy it. And then you can actually install it yourself. You just need a wrench and a plier. That's all you need. So what we have done is the battery cables, we have made them ready with high quality connectors. You just take your wrench, open up the battery leads, and place place our connectors on there. That's it. No crimping, no special tools, just a wrench. And when you have done that on uh, on your starter battery and your house battery, you're halfway done, installation-wise. Then on the unit itself, what we say that the worst thing I like to do is really to take out a drill and drill a hole in my boat to put a screw in there. I don't like to do that. Yeah. So you feel the same way? <laughs> you you know we do. Any boat owner does. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you never know what's behind. We've said, okay, no drilling. So what we've done is we are using some heavy-duty industrial double-sided tape. And we made a bracket that is made for this particular tape so that it, it doesn't move. So once it is installed there, you hold it in for 30 seconds, it will hold. Once you have done that, you clip our unit in. And then we have an easy to connect water sensor that you do exactly the same thing. You use a double-sided tape and, and place it near the bilge of your pump, of your boat. And then that is connected. And then we have an easy to crimp connector that we place on your bilge pump. And all you need is a, is a plier to connect that. And it's filled with gel so that the connection becomes a waterproof connection there too. And once that's done, you're done. Installation done. Most boat owners can do this and that's been how we have designed it and you can actually do it in in pretty quick time 
I mean, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, uh, and you'll be done. So I think if you look at this type of boat technology here, our desire, we want to keep the, the cost of this uh, down, both in terms of the product. We want to be quick to enjoy it. So from you purchase it to you get it delivered, to you install it in a boat, we want that to be as quick as possible. And we have, let's say, we have, we have people learn about us on Thursday. They buy it on Friday. They get into the boat on Saturday, do the installation, enjoy it on Sunday, and by Monday you can't live without it because <laughs> you don't know how you lived as a boat owner without having access to this information. Is there a ballpark figure for, uh, I don't know, we're on a 35-foot sailing boat here. Is there a ballpark figure for, for this size of boat as to what the kit might cost, Paul? The kit costs about 489 euros uh, for the full kit. If you want to buy it outright, and then there's a subscription on uh, on that, uh, and there's a flexible subscription, seasonal all year, and then uh, we've also introduced it where it's actually 99 euros and a little bit higher subscription. So you can really choose which way uh, you want to do it. So we're not talking expensive technology here. I mean, our goal here we want as many people to, as possible to enjoy this, and we get the enjoyment by seeing as many as possible having it. So we really priced this, so it's the entry cost of this is, uh, is not what's going to limit you. Sure. Partnerships, to get any product together, to get any product so, to market, partnerships are hugely important, in fact, vital. What would you say about your partnership with someone like Savvy Navi, Paul? Yeah, we love uh, partnership and we love the, the, the partnership here with, uh, with Savvy Navi. And it's, it's back to my other comment earlier. There's got to be a better way to do boating. It's, what we are seeing is uh, it is in many ways so traditional and in some cases slow to take advantage of some of this new technology. And this is where uh, kind of Savvy Navi comes, comes into play, where in my mind, there's got to be a better way to navigate. So when we saw yeah. Savvy Navi and what, what Savvy Navi was doing on the, on the navigation, we say, yeah, this is a better way. And these are the type of people and this is the type of company we want to partnership because we together can change boating. We can make boating life easier, simpler. We can lower the risk, increase the enjoyment. So in that way, we have a very similar mission. But then on the other hand, Seven Navy is focusing on the navigation. That's not our focus. We want to protect the boat. We want to, we want to go deep in the boat and really give customers a new appreciation for actually how their boat behaves. As you see, very many parallels here in terms of what we're doing. We're just doing different things in terms of the boat. One is to optimize the journey. For us, it could be, how does your electrical system work? It is critical in your boat, but can we help you learn more about your electrical system? And we know, I know from feedback, that we are teaching people a lot about their boat and how it behaves and what's normal behavior and what's abnormal behavior so that you can prevent things from happening. So we are on a similar journey. So a partnership makes perfect sense. And when I talk to people about, about Savvy Navi uh, and we actually show it to them and they say, okay, I need this, I want this. So it, it's an easy sell. Uh, I think both of our companies' uh, challenge is that we just need to get the word out. We need to teach people that this is actually possible. There is navigation software available like Savvy Navi that can make my life easier. There is a monitoring system like Smartboard One that can make my life easier. Now we just need to show people that yes, indeed, there is a better way and my boating life can be improved. Thank you once again so much for joining us today for today's Savvy Navi podcast. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. 
Thanks once again to Paul Capradel for joining us as a guest on today's podcast, along, of course, with the intrepid crew of the Good Ship Phoenix. If you have any questions about today's podcast or any of the others in this series, please don't hesitate to go to the Savvy Navi website and hit Submit. We'd love to hear from you, and I'll always be happy to ask your questions of any of our guests. Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join us again soon. The Boating Life Podcast with Savvy Navi, making marine navigation at sea easy.